1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East, had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. Well, welcome to Rector's Cupboard Christmas Special. It's our third? Fourth. It's our fourth, fourth. Christmas special? That's why there's so many bells. <laughs> um, and uh, Precisely. We have, uh, we're going to do the, we're going to do the open the cupboard pretty quick as we always do in the Christmas special. But we have Allison on the mic here. Hello. We have Keith Williams joining us as he always does for the Christmas special. Hello. Keith, good to have you back. Ho, ho, ho. We have Cupboard Master Ken Bell. I am delighted to be here. And I'm delighted that you're here, Ken Bell, because you brought some fantastic... Well, no, I'm sorry. I'm delighted that you're here. Thank you. And I'm also delighted because you brought the good drinks. All right. And we also they're have, not tied together? We also have Amanda with us. Hello. Amanda is here. Hello. And Todd Weeb. And uh, yes. Yes. Mr. Weeb. And Ken has brought some drinks along. And so what? here's here's what I want to do in the Christmas special, okay? I don't want to go too dark. Are we announcing it right now? Yeah, because people are listening, and you know they don't they don't want to get down. So it'll be kind of dark, right? But just no, not dark. But we're we're going to be does unafraid that, to does address some of the realities of the. Does of that the mean less Allison on the mic? Dark, probably. Yeah. <laughs> that people can feel at Christmas. So I'm going to say one no, word. No, she's got a good poem. Since we're uh, announcing what's going to happen, I'm yeah, I know. Say we'll <laughs> one word, and we'll after the tasting, we're going to talk a little bit about this. But that is like the pressure that people put on themselves, and that the pressure that people feel is put on them around Christmas time. People are more stressed out, more upset. Um, I mean, for all kinds of reasons. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if that's worse this year or it seems like we're learning how to celebrate again after these last few years. But It certainly feels busier. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about pressure and joy all within the frame of talking about what does the past have to do with Christmas? Can you celebrate Christmas um, looking to the future as much or more then you look to the past. Christmas celebration is a lot about nostalgia. So uh, hopefully our intent is by the end of listening to this, you will feel a little less pressure um, and be open to just kind of enjoying Christmas a little bit more. And listening we'll to the episode with a cocktail in hand yes. would Indeed. probably add to yes, that. Yes, and you have brought along some wonderful drinks. So I have. Let's hand it off to Ken. Uh, Cupboard Master Ken Bell is going to lead us through the tasting portion. Of Thank you. Will there be bells through the duration no, of I'm the tasting? So I went down to a new distillery here in North Van. It has been open for just about a year. It opened Boxing Day of last year, so not quite a year. It's called the Copper Penny, and right now they make three uh, different drinks. They make gin, they make a what another thing, and we're going to taste the gin. We're also going to taste a liqueur they make called Figgy Pudding, mm. which will taste similar to what you imagine figgy pudding would, would uh, it taste. It's it's a bit figgy. Uh, and they also make a triple sec, which we're not going to try today, but we'll try in a different episode. Future episode. So I, and this gin actually won the master's class at, mm. uh, in, in England. They sent this off to England just to get some tasting notes. A gin and it came back from North Vancouver yeah. won an award in England. That's correct. Where gin's kind of a thing, I think. W- it is. And it won the master's class it level, which is really nice. ridiculous. Where, so where in North Van is this? This is right down on uh, on Esplanade. It's near, the, like the, brewery near, near the breweries. Near the breweries. Near the breweries. It's in between all the breweries. So it's a bit more citrusy, a bit more spicy. Oh. Mm. Um, but you still get the juniper flavors in oh. it, but there's a there's lot a, there's a lot going of on spices there. going there on are. there. Ooh. This, like, I like the citrus kind of mm-hmm. notes that you get in there. I tend towards more, like, juniper regions. I mean, my, my favorite so far is, like, from the woods. But this is very nice. This is, this is really, it's, it, it is different. Lo- there's cardamom notes in yeah. there. And uh, there's a bunch of other. Very uh, interesting. Spices and, and flavorings. So they started, they, they started making this. That's correct. This is their first one. So give that a bit of a toss back. 
Not a lot and happening then, on the mic right poof. now. Really. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Everybody's just burning up. I'm going to give you a little, a little taste here, or you can pour it into your glass just a little of bit. the figgy pudding. Just a splash, please, Ken. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. There you go. Is that where we're going to put all it's, the it's actually reserve figgy, alcohol? It's actually figgy on the pudding. figgy pudding. There's no G on the There's end. no. That's correct. It's so figgy this is pudding. A, you okay there, Amanda? It was a lot of gin in that glass. And you drank it very quickly, didn't you? Mm. I really did. Huh. Okay. So this one you'll know has lots of sort of so I have caramel a question. and cinnamon. And What's a figgy pudding? Uh, figgy pudding is a pudding made with fig. It's in the song. Yeah, yeah it, it, it came up. I was right singing. We wish you a We wish you a merry though? Christmas with the kids the other day. Uh, brown mm. sugar. Yeah. What is figgy pudding? It's very sweet. It's and it's sweet. Mm. It's yeah. It's it's, a, it's like a dessert liqueur kind of right. Yeah, yeah, and it's got a little. Actually, it's got some warmth to it. It does have that too, and it's got a little bit of the. Uh, sort of what you'd expect from an amaretto, but there's mm, a bit more mm-hmm. spiciness to it than just straight sweetness that you'd get from an amaretto. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Very mm. much. Um, you can just imagine that as tasting like a choc- uh, as a Christmas pudding sort of thing. And then the cocktail I've made is, is combining Hang the on, gin. Let, why don't we... I'm a little... Like to finish this. <laughs> can we come why back to the... Why don't we start the, the conversation to go back to the cocktail? Okay, well, you can drink well, the cocktail as we go. I cocktail? can just tell you what it is. Why don't we find don't out we what's s- in the cocktail? And so the cocktail, is, the cocktail is just gin, the figgy pudding, oh. and eggnog, and uh, some cinnamon and Did you just make this up yourself? Top. No, it's actually a cocktail that they make ah. down at Copper Penny. Nice. And so because I was asking them what I could make, well, and this was I'm on their right. board. Mm-hmm. Uh, head on. Oh, and it also won, I think, second place. Uh, down in Vegas, the gin. So just last week, they went down to a contest uh, competition tasting. First place <laughs> in England, second place in Vegas. I think I'd yeah. take that. Yeah, not bad for some yeah, no for kidding. for a group oh that's goodness. been operating for less than a year. So well, check out uh, cocktail Copper, is fantastic. There you go. So now we can talk about uh, Christmas. So I want to kind of introduce this idea of Christmas's past, right? Like so much of Christmas has to do with remembering, celebrating before. For so many people, I would imagine not for all people, but the kind of Christmas industry has a lot to do with that, right? Like, so think of a lyric or a tradition or a song or a way of observing Christmas or, quote, the holidays that is from the past. What did you used to do in the past? I guess figgy pudding? But none of us did figgy pudding. I did not. Like a fruitcake? Yeah, fruitcake. Is that not happening anymore? Uh, I never liked it. My mom mm. made it. Nope. Never really liked it. Christmas pudding, the same thing with mm-hmm. the hard sauce and all that sort of stuff. And it, it's just not I'm worth with you. the effort mm. on Fru- those fronts. Mm-hmm. Fruitcake is good. I, no? I, good fruitcake uh, fruit is good. But there's very the, the little good fruitcake. Yes, my, my grandmother made a really good fruitcake. It probably also helped that it soaked, soaked in a rum. bucket of rum. I would so agree. it was like a, sat- a fruitcake saturated in rum. Which it is was how very butter tarts good. should be made too. The raisins that go into butter tarts ought to soak in rum and brandy overnight and then get placed in the butter tarts and that makes them acceptable. Because the raisins... You can just cut them out in are my there, opinion. <laughs> are there Christmas traditions, lyrics, observations, whatever, that are no longer appropriate? Have you had things that... Like I was at a concert the other night and I heard the Christmas song. How does it start? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire? Yep. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Mm. Mm-hmm. As he does. Um, Yuletide carols being sung by the choir and folks dressed up from head to toe. Which I is don't think that was the original. I actually like that. It is better, too. for sure. I, I'm not, <laughs> in, in, we don't need to say the other. Because also, we when out in public, it is good to know that everybody is, in fact, dressed from head, head to, to toe. toe. Yeah. Dressed from head to like toe. That yeah, that that's true. As opposed to other times of year. Yeah. Yeah, I so mean, that's I guess it depends where you are globally, I suppose. Do you, do you have any more? Do you have yeah, any more? The, the song, I was thinking about this, and the song that always bothers me with this one verse in the song uh, is, uh, oh, now I'm forgetting the name of the song. It'll come to me. But the lyrics are, and uh, through all his wondrous childhood, he would honor and obey, love and watch the lowly maiden in whose gentle arms he lay, Christian children all must be mild, obedient, 
good as isn't that once in royal david city yes thank you once in royal david city right when jesus is like an english schoolboy that didn't age well christian children all must be mild obedient the first thing i think of i don't know if anybody else watched keep sweet pray and obey earlier this year on netflix oh that was disturbing it was terrible but like that's immediately what came to me when you read those lyrics yeah Yeah, there's underlining underlying abuse that's sort of a <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It's pretty awful. So Does I don't know else? what other people yeah. have. Um, else have I always think of Away in a Manger because, I I mean, I believe even our blessed Lord likely cried. No crying he um, made. Same as the British mm, schoolboy. I'm like, a baby that doesn't cry is a... Careful. One that you need to be very Unwell. concerned about. Lord Jesus, no yes, crying I feel, <laughs> I also feel that when it's typically sung by children, it feels like revisionist history. Because I'm like, no, you are not quiet. Like, you're trying to, like, embody this angelic thing. And I know that that is not how you were probably, you know, being with your parents before you got to the Christmas, you know, pageant at church. And do we have to talk about uh, Mommy Kissing Santa Claus? Uh, like, uh, th- there's a song that just... Can we just not? I okay. saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. Yeah. Well, the Santa Claus is dad, though. Well, well except that's not, what the, that's not what the kid that thinks. It's, like a, it's a mummy the, thing. I mean, two consenting adults. My mom's <laughs> having an affair. Oh, with yeah. Santa Daddy. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like that so, makes it better. Not that I, I like mean, is that song same anyways. for like grandma Santa being run over by a reindeer? Well, yeah, but that that one's yeah, funny. Though. That's Irish Rovers or something. Oh, yeah, it's kind start of start with listening to the whole thing though. You can oh. say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. We believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. even though uh, Grandma just died <laughs> on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I mean, I mean Little it, Drummer Boy is it, also it, reasonably problematic. Like a, at least shanty-ish song, so it's okay. What's that? The the grandma got run over by a reindeer. It's like. Folky, sea well, shanty-ish, It's making Irish fun of itself, whereas once in Royal David City... Very is serious. Not, oh, that's Or way serious. manger. They're holding out an ideal that, like... It, it, there's the sen- ideal baby doesn't cry. They're making it let sentimental. Let alone, like, I'm sure they were not. Yeah, they're making it a Christmas card. Yeah. Right. That's, any yeah. others? Those are the ones... You know, I my think. least favorite Christmas song. Well, well there's a lot, but... Theologically, my least favorite. It, it's some um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm, just yeah. I mean it's so the, easy. The finger you know, wag. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd better watch out, right? Which you better not. Cry. Which I think in, in my surveillance, evangelical upbringing, that was attached not only to Santa but to God. Like you know, don't, oh yeah. yeah, don't make me come down there. Where, um, whereas here comes Santa Claus is a much better song. Santa Claus. Well, in the line of... Well, and just to enhance that surveillance, now you add the elf on the shelf who watches everything the child does for the month of December. I I said that once in a sermon about elf on a shelf. Did you get in trouble for that? Oh, yeah, people got upset at me because they were doing Elf on a Shelf. Of course, lots of people do it, but it's just the whole like thing that you've, like... And they're like, it's, you know, it's fun. Created a so spy I, I mean, for I'm Santa. also, like, I was corrected because they were just doing it as a fun thing, not as a surveillance thing. Except the so implication of it is you're being surveilled by this mm-hmm. elf. Yeah, and of course, now there's all these tendencies and social it. media memes to... I mean, on my social media, at least, maybe that's... But... Uh, that I guess is a little bit like I saw Mama kissing Santa Claus with the elf on a shelf, like the elf on a shelf put in like compromising positions. Yes, I've seen some <laughs> of those. Yeah, I've, I've seen a few like, of those, yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh, I that's think, funny. yeah, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Yeah, because it's going to get... Yeah, and if, you, if you're not good, you're getting nothing. You're going to yeah. get a lump of coal. As opposed to uh, he doesn't care if you're rich or poor. He loves you just the same. Yeah. Much better. Hmm. Rich or poor, yeah, or, yeah. The, the new version of this, if you, you know, those who happen to watch this, I watch it from time to time, like I record it and watch it, is um, Jimmy Kimmel. He does this bit where he's an elf, and what is it, Guillermo? Guillermo is an elf, too. But Guillermo, like, takes notes, and, and Jimmy Kimmel interviews a child, <coughs> and he interviews the child, <laughs> and it, the whole thing is, like, we're Santa's reps. And, and invariably, what it gets around to with the kid is, you know, he starts asking about, like, what about, you know, other kids in your life? Like, have you been good? And, of course, they're like, yeah, I've been really good. Or and then he's like, what about other kids? And it's like, you know, Taylor isn't Taylor doesn't listen. And he's like, oh, I'm interested in this, actually, because we're making a list of who's naughty and nice. Like, oh, is, no. is it just Taylor or are there other kids there? Oh and the kids, like, invariably give everybody <laughs> up, right? Throwing so people under the bus. Oh, yeah, man. and so then he's like, so, so let me let yeah, me tell you some things. And so then the moral crisis, of course, then he says like, so we've got you know Taylor and and whoever else like S- Susie and blah 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 blah. You said they're all like they all misbehave. So 
it, they won't be getting Christmas gifts this year because and they, you know and then they have to watch the kid kind of <laughs> oh so it's oh yeah no. it's pretty rough like it's wow. um, oh wow but it's the equivalent to you know you better watch out you yeah don't pout or cry or I don't have a traditional song but I found a tradition and I'm not sure if other people have heard of this but I just thought it was so mm. fascinating it's called mumming I don't know if anybody else has heard of this no but I, isn't that like a East Coast thing. Like yes. a, a Newfoundland so it initially thing or goes back to like the Tudor area or era in in Britain, and people would dress up during the twelve days of Christmas, uh, intentionally covering covering their faces so that you didn't know who they were, and you would go to your neighbors' houses, and you would not be able to speak, and you would only be able to mime and point at things, and if they could identify who you were and which neighbor you were, then you could come in, and there would be merrymaking and drink and things like that. No what, joke. What so if you were well, an antisocial it, person like me who wouldn't wish to invite people in, I would just incorrectly guess. guess. Yeah. I guess. Nobody, so, nobody interestingly, this Sylvia. led to... <laughs> this is where the dark part it's comes obviously in. obviously Sylvia. Nobody, <laughs> nobody says <say> <laughs> Uh, it gets dark though because then of course you know people being people kind of start to take advantage of it and then people come into other people's homes and ransack them or beat them up and hit them with a stick or do like bad things I feel justified in my initial aversion burglaries and things until eventually it was it would be outlawed It was mumming was outlawed. It was outlawed in London, should, England. Should we bring it great. Back? Uh, well, somehow it, the Irish or the English, nobody quite knows how uh, or who, they brought it over <sighs> to the Maritimes, let's, and this is let's probably blame the what, Irish. what uh, Keith is yeah. referencing. And so, in Newfoundland and Labrador, it became a tradition, um, and it kind of it also gets called um, mummering now. It's so mm. it's evolved a little bit. Mummering, that's the Newfoundland yeah. version of it. Well, it's the, the it's, I, I knew because our kids have a book called "The Twelve Days of Canadian Christmas," and, and one of the things there. is, is mummering. Mummers masks is yes, one of it's yes. like oh. ten mummers masks or whatever is okay. the tenth yeah. day of Christmas. And now, it's like so in, in the Newfoundland tradition, do they also instead Please of hitting each other with house. sticks, do they hit each other with cod? Well, again, got dark, and so for a while, people were dressing up and doing those things, and then on June twenty fifth in eighteen sixty one. In Newfoundland, uh, there was an act proclaimed, an act to make further provisions for the prevention of nuisances. Oh, um, that's Christmas right there. That's the isn't meaning it? Of true meaning Fantastic. of Christmas. Fantastic. True meaning of Christmas. So I was thinking, well, this is amazing, and people would dress up, and, and uh, to the point where they would put like underwear over top of their clothing to like make it bulge and things so that you could be like um, unnoticeable or unknowable. Um, at some point in the early 2000s, people got wind of this, and it became popular again, and Newfoundland and Labrador actually brought it back. And so now... <laughs> Good for them. There is a yeah, you don't tell them what to do. No. <laughs> There's a mummering festival that happens oh every Christmas. Oh, and people fantastic. take it super, super seriously. I brought a visual. We'll put some photos say, up online. Like oh, no, I did, some, I did some looking. Well, because we were talking about tradition and where traditions And it doesn't particularly have anything to do with Christmas. It, it, it's uh, just weirdly, something that happens at Christmas. No, but it yeah. happened at Christmas. It was very specifically a Christmas thing. A lot thing. of things that we celebrate like, at Christmas, though, well, have yeah, nothing foods, to do with Christmas. True enough. So... Um, like everybody takes it seriously and the whole thing is that you don't go out and buy a costume you use things that are in your house so Upcycle. people would have like doilies on their faces and like buckets and they carry mops with them I'm not sure why um, and so there's these great photos oh of gosh. people and we'll throw some of these online in this one there's a woman wearing a huge pink hat with like tiger stripes and it's kind of fuzzy it's almost like a pimp hat and she's got like a doily <laughs> over her Entirely face like I'm very concerned and that those are things she already had in her house yeah I know there is there is a degree like uh, she's wearing Joe boxers and they've got smiley faces all over yeah, them and, and they're over top of her and pants like, uh, like yeah men will oh, that that's her? her this is her oh, with like her that. mask that's, off that doesn't say Newfoundland at all um, <laughs> here's a kid he's also got a mop that happening. he's like dressed up this happens even now i double checked they yeah. had a no i mean like we, we festival need to do this 2022. I, I would like to bring this we, we could do um, it in january but you'll notice again like their face is covered that's the whole thing is that the face is always covered so that people don't know it has evolved a little but bit in newfoundland where it is? yeah so now you actually are allowed to talk so people like act things out but they'll go as far as disguising their voices um so that you have to guess so who they are they don't get to go in until they're guessed I would be more incentivized. So they're incentivizing cold. to not get let in. I, I, I guess. Yeah, Do you get like a prize for not being guessed? I, know. I, I think Amanda wins the prize for bringing the I best. Just, so that's Christmas the most interesting tradition. It's yeah. so interesting to me. Anyways, so yeah, and they're still doing it to this day. You know, that brings it all together Mummering. for us as we talk about the 
past and the present and the future that uh, for so many people, Christmas, is, the mood of Christmas is directed and dictated by the past. So when... Is that it's good cocktail? When in oh. Matt is just getting to her. I'm just trying to cocktail. <laughs> you had a lot on the mummering thing. I did. The, when when in your when for most people is the best Christmas? I mean the next one. Well, you're no. this, you're just a you're just a positive upbeat guy. I don't know if that's for <laughs> most people. For you, oh, okay. for I some mean, people, I, I would imagine it's when you're a kid. When you're a kid, there's there's like a mystery to it, and like I think it's before you realize how much work goes into all mm-hmm. the baking and the decorating and the food and all those sorts of things, and you're just kind of like it. It's a bit magical, and I mean, mm-hmm. your house is transformed, and if you have a lace, like a live tree, and you're you have presents. the smell, and you have like there's a, there's a big visual change, and there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of excitement for it. I, th- I think for me. The, the one that comes to mind, we went up to Banff with some other families over Christmas. And we were staying in a chalet up there. And I was maybe, I don't know, 11 or 12. I was one of the older kids that was that was there. And what we were told was reindeer. It was probably caribou or whatever lived in Banff. We, like came up to the house and we're eating carrots out of our hand. Like it was like Santa was there. The snow was falling. <laughs> That's so, amazing. Like, it was it was amazing yeah, like a little because Hallmark there were Christmas. literally hoof prints outside the door <laughs> the next morning right and that was amazing so i think part of what makes it's it's those now was there fighting and arguing and disputes i'm sure there was there was like three different families with all there had to be. oh and generations of family like there had to be but you don't remember i think that's the that's the blissful part of Nostalgia is you intentionally do you, don't remember do those Do you have things. a gift or an ornament or a, something you remember from not, your Christmas's past? Not from that Christmas, but I'll just take the mic again. Show and tell. I, I do have one that I brought. Uh, it's a sh- it's a shepherd from our nativity scene. Our house is crazy with nativity you scenes. Have a lot I think of we have like scenes. 30. Yeah, like, you, you have so many Whoa. Jesuses. Yeah. You have yeah. cats. That feels that's a different like discussion. A sacrilegious um, amount is, of is there, if, if you have cats and that many nativity scenes, are any of the nativity scenes still whole? <laughs> not, not, not. Most have some some character added to them. Yeah. Okay. Blue. Uh, but this particular one uh, was part of the nativity set my parents would have got for their very first Christmas. So it's sixty five years old. It's from France. It's even stamped on the bottom, France. It's not particularly beautiful and I, I don't think it's really high end but i remember every christmas or yeah. you know beginning of december mm-hmm. i Bring that when up. i was a kid yeah. i unpacked it i set it up i made sure that it was all everyone was in their right place and just sort of all that added to it mm. for me i i didn't bring an ornament i i brought a recipe card that's another thing um yeah. It is for melting shortbread, which was a recipe of Keith's grandmother's that I kind of inherited when she stopped doing a lot of the baking. And I asked her for the recipe and she started to write it out. And then she got very self-conscious about her writing because it's getting a little squiggly. So half of it's written by her, half of it's written by me. Um, and so it's uh, yeah. she, she passed in 2016, and so every time I, I take it out and make shortbread, which typically only happens at Christmas, like there's, there's a, there's a connection there. There's yeah. memory mm-hmm. connection. There's an article I read in a newspaper this week about that same thing. Also a grandmother, also who had died in 2016, and the author of this article or this column must have been fairly young because she was saying exactly Allison, what you're saying. She's Every year she had a picture of her and her grandma, and, this, and the author at that time was a little girl. But and she made a certain cake every Christmas. Like every Christmas, yeah. there was just this cake. Mm. And she's like, when my grandma died, we searched and searched and searched and searched for the recipe, and we couldn't find it. And you know, she, this whole kind of article is about how it's so heartbreaking that like this mm-hmm. was so meaningful to me in Christmas. And then she found it. But Aww. the way she found it is she realized what some of the ingredients were and what kind of the name was. And she just Googled it online. Oh, okay. And it was a recipe, word for word, that she remembers <laughs> that from like 2006. <laughs> <laughs> so for grandma this was not like some, some like, big it's not great christian recipe. or christmas tradition <laughs> right it was like uh, but but that that's how these things are well, made yeah. and, I, for and the I think it reminds you of people too like uh we make smarty cookies every year for christmas uh really simple cooking and they just have smarties and there's nothing fantastic about them but i remember as a kid watching my mom make them and my mom now this year has now been dead longer than like i've i've lived with my mom dead longer than i lived with my mom right. when she was alive 
And so even this year, as I was making the first batch of Smarty cookies, I was thinking about my mom. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I remember watching her make them and her allowing me to, to, to cook, bake them and mix them and stuff. Yeah. It was one of the first things. I, so I think that's part of the appeal of Christmas is that as well. The, these are the positives, but there is, even in the positives, right? This is where I'm going to get to kind of the pressure stuff. And the, even in the positives, sentiment and nostalgia has a sorrow to it. Even when you're well, feeling it as something good, because right? Because it's a, it's a like misremembering. Like, so you remembering your mom, or you like, yeah. Th- there is because it's a it's something that's past. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and you're in a sense maybe trying to recreate something, or trying to get a feeling that you had at another time. Mm-hmm. And so there's part of the pressure of Christmas is not just all the stuff you have to do if you're like an adult doing stuff for kids or families. The pressure is kind of chasing that feeling. I came across a term when I was reading this week um, called imagined future nostalgia. So this is a piece of pressure that has now been named that people who are doing Christmas, so you could think of moms, but it's not only moms. Like as a dad, I always wanted to make Christmas special for the kids and stuff, and I love it. And so when my kids were little, and and I I can identify with this, that at its best, it's just a positive feeling. Like I just want to have a good time, and I want to make sure they have a good time. But at its worst, it's a pressure not only in the moment now, but I'm trying to create a great moment now so that 10, 15, and 20 years from now, the people for whom Mm -hmm. I'm responsible now will remember this good thing. And you can see that pressure because if there are arguments, if there are fights, like it's not just, you're ruining Christmas for today. (laughs) You're ruining Christmas for forever. Right. Every memory. Imagined future nostalgia. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of like... Yeah, the concept's not new, but I've never heard the term before. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm like, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, and there's a sorrow in it, right? To to be like, how can we enjoy what we're doing, but let go of those kinds of things? And, because and I get that pressure. You're trying to make it... You're trying to make it special. You're trying to make it memorable. You're trying to make it that thing that sticks in your kid's mind, like what they see on the Hallmark movies or, or you know, yeah. that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And, but I think what, when we, when you look back on it, it's, it's, it's not always, it's, it's the little things yeah. that you've remembered. Yeah. Like for me, it's, it's a lot about the food. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a lot about the food. Like that's even for, even now, like it's, I want to make a great feast. Because food everyone. means gathering. Mm. Yeah. And it's not just for kids either. I was thinking about it, um, like Gavin's and my first Christmas together wasn't that long ago. Right. So it was, there was a similar thing of this feeling pressure of like, oh, if this is a relationship that's uh, going to stick around. Oh, like, how are we going to remember Christmas. our first How are we going to remember Christmas. our first Christmas? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So new relationships what, can feel that point. too. Um, that, yeah. uh, and, and what would it mean to kind of, so I think of that, so put yourself in the place of a child. So my mom certainly didn't have it easy, you know, for most of her adult life, single mom trying to, and she definitely would have felt these kinds of things. And she went the extra hundred miles Mm -hmm. for us, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not to judge her on this, but it is to kind of point out, of course, what the child remembers is just if the, if the parent can be present Mm -hmm. without that strain and stress. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not to put more pressure on people, you know, like. No, it's hard. I mean, when, when I was thinking about, about this, I was wondering about whether there can be some like positive aspects to nostalgia. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for some people, like Christmas is a difficult time. Um, there can be really difficult memories attached to it. Or even if you're okay now, it can be who is missing. Who like is missing? Christmas yeah. can be really hard for people who, who are, you know, in grief. Cause you think th- like you, you feel an absence, like what is missing, who is missing. And yeah. so sometimes I feel like nostalgia can kind of be a kindness because absolutely you can't always process those really big um, emotions. And so there can be ways that you can remember things in nostalgia that can kind of help, I think, temper some of the intensity of yeah. those, those absences. <coughs> um, so, I mean, I feel like it can be a coping mechanism in some ways, which I feel like there is some place for. Um, I don't. I don't think it's healthy to necessarily stay in that. But you, you mentioned that, and this is we from our interview with and and the book James Jamie Smith's book um, that talks a lot about nostalgia and stuff. Where we interviewed him this year on the podcast, uh, or I guess it was the end of last season, but yeah. it was this year. The the uh, that nostalgia is an act of forgetting. You mentioned that that yeah. and. So when I think back, so you know, it's, it's like you said, it can be the silly little things. I remember getting a clock radio for Christmas. Oh, I got I, one I too. I remember it every year. I remember I was at my grandparents' house. 
it was my first my my parents split was it when I was really young. Were the letter were the numbers red? Probably, and they were probably those flip letters too. You know what I mean? Oh, you had flip. I had the digital. And yeah, I'm one year older. <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, but when I think about nostalgia being active, forgetting, I know now. I remember that Christmas. I remember being so excited about getting this clock radio. I think it actually was from my mom, even though my mom and dad were sep- or divorced or separated, and I was in Ontario and my mom was in BC. But so it might have had something to do with like who it's from. But I also was like a clock radio, and I remember that Christmas was the f- like my sister and I had been flown across the country days before Christmas. There were all kinds of family strife, like really bad stuff. And we arrived a few days before Christmas to live with my dad, now a single dad, and he was overwhelmed. So we drove, you know, four hours down to my grandparents, and that's where we had Christmas, and I got this clock radio. And I have such a, a fond memory of, of that now. But you kind of, until you mm. intentionally go, what was the year I got that? You And I think you're right. Even remembering the sad stuff isn't terrible. Yeah. If if you have kind of an emotional strength and maturity, I, I picture someone who's older sitting in a chair, they're with a family, like it's like it's grandparent or great grandparent, and they're watching the kids open the gifts and the family go, and you can see, I mean, you'd be you'd be projecting this a bit maybe, but that that older person is just kind of taking it in and loving it, but thinking about their most meaningful Christmases when they were with the one they loved who is maybe gone now or when they were when their their kids were little or something like that, right? So that it even as an act of forgetting, it doesn't mean that it's always, always terrible, right? I I think yeah. one yeah. of the differences with Christmas w- in when it comes to nostalgia is it's also so tied up in tradition. And and I I don't know exactly how you define the difference between nostalgia and tradition, but um like well, these, yeah, these tradition is the thing and nostalgia is the feeling about the thing kind of. Like, oh, okay, yeah. so that's, yeah, because at our house, there's my son often asks the question around, is this a family tradition? Like for what, ever since he was a little kid, he, he wants to know, is this a family tradition? Is this a family tradition? Oh, that's awesome. And to the point that he now realizes the joke of it. So he actually came <laughs> up to us this year and said, we're going to decorate the tree. And remember, our family tradition is we order pizza. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So well played. <laughs> Just lay that emotional yeah. manipulation. But, so but then good. as we unpack the ornaments and start, uh, you know, we, we talk about where the ornaments, because all our ornaments came from somewhere. Yeah. Either mm-hmm. the kids made them or a person gave them to us. Um, yeah, very few. I, we don't have any that we went out and, you know, bought at a dollar store. They all came from someone or somewhere. Mm-hmm. The kids made them. And we get to talk about that. And we get to talk about when the kids were, oh, you made this when you were five. Like, yes, it's quite ugly. And you're right. We probably shouldn't <laughs> hang it on the tree. <laughs> but we're going to anyways because it's a popsicle stick reindeer. Um, but it's also awesome because it, it, and it does bring a, a feeling of nostalgia because you're, you're remembering what it was like when the kids were five. And now mine mm-hmm. are 17 and 19. And it's a very different Christmas. But they still fight over who gets to put this angel on the top. You do it. No, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. And oh, it's a different over fight it. now. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they have to get on dad's shoulders. Never lied. And so I my nineteen-year-old still picture. Step stools are oh no, 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 no. What? This year, my nineteen-year-old daughter tradition? is on. It's a family tradition. My nineteen-year-old daughter is on my shoulders, putting the angel on the tree. And we have pictures going back ever since. Ever. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna get religious. Are we? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yay. Speaking about because Jesus, I, you know, as a servant of the Lord, um, you know, someone who spent a lot of years in full time ministry. Are we okay I with like that terms term? Like this, you Can know? we edit that one out? Um, Can. Are you in full time ministry? Like that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> the when are you going to become a real? It's a pastor? really good you, cocktail, uh, Ken. Yeah. Or all those times we were pastors and like people would ask us what we do not on Sunday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the. What's your real job? Is there memory of Christmas in terms of it being a good Christmas or a meaningful Christmas when you were taken aback, struck by, caught up in the Christmas part of Christmas? Like the, what this is all about. Because we're talking about Christian faith here, those of us who are here. Mm. Um, So you would say something like the beauty, the wonder of it. Um, Looking at, there's a little bit of that in your in mentioning this shepherd, mm-hmm. it can move you to that. Uh, but I remember a time <clears throat> when I was first getting really serious about my faith. I think I probably mentioned this on another Christmas special, but and you know, and I was serious about studying the Bible, and, stu- and I was still super excited about gifts. So I couldn't sleep the night before, like I was still a teenager. And I stayed up all night long with like a 
cross-reference study Bible and just learned all the like. Is this something that we would teenagers do? I just I'm not sure I did we'd this. recommend <coughs> doing this. I did this. I remember. I don't know what's funnier to imagine him as 25 and really giddy about gifts, I or to imagine him a teenager. 15, I was a teenager, 15, oh. doing this. Both are kind of funny. But I, I did, and I and I, I spent the evening, kind of looking through scripture, and of course with some assistance from study aids and whatever. Um, you know, so-called in the evangelical time, because like prophecies concerning Christ, right? Like what, what, what is happening when Jesus is born? And I still remember that because it, it was super, super meaningful for me. Mm. Like it was something that it was a really, it's, it's still meaningful to me that, and yeah, it's strange and odd and weird or whatever, but it's like, and then there were other times I remember one time sitting on a bus and I was going to the Christmas Eve service. I wasn't like a pastor. I was just a kid, but like our teenager, but I think Jen and I already knew each other. We were going out or something. But um, it was Christmas Eve, and I was on a bus. We'd probably been at stores or something that day. But by now, I was on a bus by myself, and I was on my way to the Christmas Eve service, and it was raining. It's Vancouver, but it was cold, and so like the windows were all like you know you can kind of all the lights all the lights get blurred in them and stuff. And I remember just thinking, like, because of the Christ the the Jesus part of Christmas, like all is well. Mm. like this so are there any moments of wonder like that for you guys that you can remember i think for me there there's there's a bunch i remember when when we were doing youth ministry we'd go out between christmas eve services and hand out uh socks and sandwiches and gifts in the downtown east side but i think for me one of them is it's it's often attached to music and i well two things one the first time i ever got to read scripture in church Mm. was christmas eve and i got to read luke chapter two and i remember meeting with a pastor in the in the church and we he had in me read it over several Caesar Augustus times issued a, issued a decree yeah uh i can that and uh and romeo romeo wherefore out there i can remember both Which of those because i had to memorize okay <laughs> I had, anyway. had to memorize those two <laughs> they told uh, you that was scripture but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not quite the same but but the other one was and this is attached to music is uh and i may have shared this on another episode uh a friend of mine, someone we all know, uh, in, uh, sitting around this table, not everyone listening, uh, in our church in Tawasson, singing O Holy Night yeah. at the Christmas Eve service. And there's something about that song in particular for me, um, because it's such a scandalous song. The history of that song is so scandalous. Change shall he break. Um, I mean, it's still banned in France, yeah. right? Like, it's so scandalous, the song. And yet... Uh, I just remember, I still remember that Christmas Eve search watching my friend. She was maybe, I don't know, 16, 17 at the time, standing in front of the congregation, just singing that by herself. And it still sends shivers. You know, like, what's funny when you yeah, say that, fun. I remember being a kid and this was before, before I, you know, count myself, you know, knowing that I was a Christian or becoming, you know, praying the prayer or whatever, but it's still how long ago it was. I was watching the television show Benson and there was a Christmas special. And they sang Oh Holy Night. And I barely knew anything about Christian faith or whatever, but for the same reasons. Mm, that song's got a thing. I like started crying as this kid. I'm just like, and maybe that's like, maybe that's God's call or something, right? That there, this is meaningful to you. That uh, I felt the same thing at Pacific Theater Christmas Presents mm, um, when yeah. they did Sufjan Stevens' uh, Star of Wonder. One oh, year. you took my you story. Have I'm so sorry. It's on, you I take was it. Look- you go. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember, I mean, one of the things that, that I really loved doing when we were all at Sutherland was the Christmas setup. It was insane, but we would like literally screw trees. Days <laughs> and days. Which was totally like all above board, 100%. Yeah. Like it was. The trees it, were not taken from the woods nearby the we church. We would cut down trees in the forest, drag <laughs> them into the church, <laughs> bolt them to the wall, put lights on them. It was insane. And just but make sure beautiful. there was no fire inspection. And it was and so well, beautiful. And then we started adding and then we added Christmas trees. 17 back. foot tall live yeah. christmas that tree we did that not take four, from the forest th- no that no, came no, no, no. that came that from one. a tree farm and it probably weighed 400 pounds and yeah but you I, were saying that but was i remember like i can i can see it i know where i was sitting i was on like the right hand side of the sanctuary looking across and i think nelson boschman um from yeah. you know the growing season which we interviewed him before like this was ages ago yeah, before we and were. he he was doing, and it's just like, it's, it was transcendent and it was just amazing. Like being in this room that kind of transforms into this weird little kind of foresty so thing beautiful. and just 
Like and it was, they had like a full band that year. Do you remember that? It, it was, just, it was amazing. Yeah, I'm sure like Sherry Plett was in there, which I mean, like her Christmas album is still one of my favorite yeah. ones. I think it's called All of the Lights. Yeah. And it, like, it's from, what, 15 years ago or something like that. And it's just everything, yeah. There's something about like music that like transforms you. And I remember, I don't know, I don't think it was the same year. No, it wasn't. It was a few years later when, um, oh, I'm going to forget her, her last name, Robin was uh with mm -hmm. that was mine yeah who did oh holy night and i was just transfixed like i felt She's like, like i cried singer. yeah i it, just sat it in was the one of the most beautiful yeah. things that i've witnessed mm -hmm. and it was but I, I mean i think it like it was beautifully performed absolutely like beautifully performed but there is something about that song <laughs> as well like it's just i think I yeah think part of it is because the song itself, be, the incarnation and everything to do with the Christmas story is so scandalous. And so many of the other songs, like we mentioned with, with uh, Away in the Manger and even Silent Night, which I love Silent Night and stuff, they, they all try to make it this... Like make it pretty. A, a pretty picture. Uh, in fact, some of my... Uh, like I love art, but some of my least favorite sort of ancient art is the stuff around the nativity because it's just so halo it's been so clean and, yeah. and, mm -hmm. and and yet a holy night the very nature of the song being as scandalous yeah, as it yeah. is from the person who yeah. wrote it to the person who wrote the music for it to the fact that it was banned in france and still <laughs> like, like the whole nature of the song is so yeah it that reflects the nature of the incarnation and i think that there's something about that yeah no i well, i can oh sorry go ahead. and th there's just sort of that whole idea of the incarnation being scandalous um and just sort of and how sort of in one of my current jobs working with kids and teaching sunday school and reading this christmas story and then trying to think how am i going to teach this right. in sunday school to kids that don't understand the but biology with jo yeah. Joseph. Yeah. kids <laughs> that don't understand the biology of how babies are born <laughs> keith what's a virgin and, yeah and the word virgin <laughs> shows up over and over and yes. over again and like of course you just don't question how do you yeah. how do you do this and it's like just straight it, up just yeah. straight up it's the only way to do it <laughs> yeah great two-year-olds three-year-olds just give them the goods <laughs> Um, this is, uh, I feel disclaimer, this is Ken's personal opinion. Yeah. Not, yes. not yeah. reflect Rector's covered. Yes. covered. But so. it's that thing of like, how do you take this story yeah. that is so often, it's this told as a great kid's story. It's the it's the story of God becoming human. It's and sanitized. And yeah. we sanitize it, it so much. Yes. We do that with, with so much of the Bible. But this is another one where well, it's just, it's so yeah. sanitized. And we get some six-year-old girl from the church to oh, play to the role of Mary. Oh. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I found in uh, the last year or the last That's couple true. of years, um, I've, I've discovered uh, Scott Erickson, who's an, who's an artist, and he has these really, really amazing um, Advent images where, where, like, you see he's got this one that he posted and apparently he gets in trouble for it every year. And it's, it's Mary and she's sitting and her hair is like covering her breasts and she's naked, but like you, you can't see, it's tasteful. Um, but she's like pregnant and you can see that she is like uncomfortable and you can see that like she's got like the line, I can't remember what it is uh, called, but like there is so much about it that I'm like, yes, that is what pregnancy feels like. Mm. And I mean, I, I remember Christmas feeling different in the, the nativity story feeling <coughs> different for me like after I was pregnant right. because yeah there, there's so much things that are sanitized I'm like I can't imagine traveling in in any capacity on a donkey or on foot whatever um like while that. heavily pregnant no but yeah. that, no way that's my wife hated the car ride yeah <laughs> To the hospital. But there, yeah. And there's just part of it. He's got these son, beautiful yeah, images of like baby Jesus getting like, I think like a diaper change and it's like almighty God. And you're just like, yes, because that, like, I think that there's so much that's done to, to try to like emphasize the divinity of Jesus. And then therefore. No crying he makes. Like right. making Mary into as divine a human as you can make so that she was worthy of bearing Jesus. Yeah. And meanwhile, aside from the animals, the only person, the, she didn't doesn't have a doula. I she know. doesn't have a birthing going. No. She has Joseph, who my guess is, has very little experience. Like, she how does Joseph know what to know? I mean, I guess he might have had a knife on like him to cut the umbilical a, cord, yeah. but like... Yeah, there's yeah. a lot about it that... And it, it's not I a mean, pretty image. No, there's, there's also 
for for me, one of the other things that struck me recently was the inherent like danger of pregnancy. And Amanda and I, we were talking about it in the office the other day where we're like, there are still places in the world where, where pregnancy is inherently dangerous. I think that in North America, we have this romanticized it's like view less of so, it. But for some people, it still is. It mm-hmm. still is. But there is like this presentation that, you know, birth is beautiful. Pregnancy is beautiful. And in many ways, I would agree with that. But and, you know, and she bore Jesus and then treasured these things up in her heart. And yeah. it was just a lovely evening. And, and wrap it all like up. And then a bunch of... Then there was then there was some mummering, low life some mummering. Sh- that's where the that's where the first mummers show up uninvited. Because did thing, they cover their faces? A, a new mom with a newborn baby. Yeah, let in the vagrants str- <laughs> knocking at the door, saying, "Can we come I and see this uh, baby?" Like, real? Like, how would Mary have reacted to that? Seriously, she didn't yeah. have pain meds to like be no. like, eh, "Go right ahead." My yeah. epidural hasn't worn off. Come on in. <laughs> There's no ice. Pallets or chips or no. anything. We've Pallet? interviewed the Pallets of ice. Pallets? What's his name? What's his name? Um, naked no. uh, David Hayward. Yes. Thank you for rescuing we've, me. We've interviewed him before, and he has a uh, one of his cartoons this year is of the shepherds and the birth scene, and like not the actual birth, but afterwards. <laughs> and uh, though, though he would, would, though he would probably do that. Um, and it's and it's got little um, words above each person with little arrows, and it says like shepherd, shepherd, carpenter, like, and then the, uh, the caption underneath says like, where are the important people? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Which is like even even who this was announced to and mm-hmm. yeah. how this came about. But I think that we talked about nostalgia as an act of forgetting. I think sentimentalizing or sanitizing this story comes from a, a similar kind of motivation where we keep the Christmas story in the past and we sanitize the past a little bit. Mm-hmm. We sometimes idealize the past. So we take off those rough edges. We don't think that people would have been like worn out and stressed and afraid for their lives and, you know, whatever else it is. And that there's a lot of discord and uncertainty happening around that scene. Um, and then we keep it in the past where one of the things that as we talk about hopeful theology that I'm really interested in is what it, around Christmas is what it means that Christmas is about the future. That when you look at that nativity scene, the, the Christ child in the, in the nativity scene, this is a declaration about the future and the fullness of time. It's not, <coughs> in some ways, you don't get to Christmas by looking at the past, by thinking like, this is a thing that happened. People used to be so much better. People used to celebrate Christmas more. We'll discover the real meaning of Christmas if we can move back right, if we can get back to some kind of thing, it's the real meaning of Christmas will be discovered in looking forward. Mm-hmm. So each year I think about a Rich Mullins lyric. I can't remember what song it's in. But he says, the countryside was pocked with all of those malapouch posters thrown up on the rotting sideboards of these run-down stables. It's very evocative of like Appalachia kind of. Uh, the the uh, malapouch posters thrown up on the rotting sideboards of these run-down stables and then this line, like the one that Christ was born in when the old world started dying and the new world started coming on and I'll sing his song, right, in the land of my sojourn. That there is this, what would it mean for us to see the hope of Christmas even if our Christmases aren't good, aren't beautiful, aren't what we wish they would be, um, and, and somehow taking that pressure off of ourselves, enjoying all the things and trying you know, to do all the things, but the, taking the pressure off has to do in a sense i think with looking toward the future i don't know if you have any i well i think that's what the anglican catholic some other traditions try to do with advent right with the second because in advent the the season of advent um, traditionally, you didn't sing Christmas carols. This was always in. This is always been an issue between Sutherland and, and the church <laughs> I was at, right? Uh, you didn't sing Christmas carols during Advent. Was about looking to the to the to the future. You had to look at the future before, because it comes at the very beginning of the church year. Advent. Yeah. It's looking to the future first, then we look at the past. Um, and so there's a there's a hopefulness looking looking forward at the the second coming the second incarnation the 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 more permanent and forever and it can, it can feel kind of religious but for our listeners and i would say for ourselves like like take it for what it's worth that's my prayer for us and for you listening that whatever it is you're experiencing this christmas and even if the future looks uncertain or troubled that 
I would say it's by the presence of the Spirit of God, right? That that you will know that this is about what's coming, <laughs> the fullness of time, and that it's good, and that it's okay. And that, I would say, and this is a faith statement, that nothing is lost. Because that's, that's the danger of nostalgia is we think it's mm. lost, it's gone. My kids will never be young again. I'll never have that again. I better have grandkids so that I can feel that again. It's like, no, nothing is lost when you look to the future this way. So I think it's... Um, it's good. We can, and we just hope and pray for those of you who are listening. If you're feeling that pressure, God bless you in that. And would you have some uh, relief from that? Now, you have a poem to read, don't you? I do. Kind of end on a you know more upbeat note. It's just. About I think that was upbeat. Oh, that was upbeat, but it's just yeah. very um, you know like. It was uh-huh. it was upbeat, kind of like in the bleak midwinter. Yeah, like God, God, Jesus, that Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it is beautiful. Whereas I think Allison's going to read to us about sung food. in a minor key sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Ken. So this is, uh, as, as we were contemplating um, kind of Christmas greetings, I thought this would be, you know, uh, a bit of a fun note to end on. This is a poem by uh, a Victoria poet called Rhonda McAdam. And when I heard this poem read for the first time, I, yeah, I don't like think that I had felt something that had encompassed my, yeah. my identity as like a familial identity, the family in which I've married into. I can say that I was sitting next yes. to Allison when this poem was <laughs> read, <laughs> and there was a visceral, visceral reaction. reaction. <laughs> <laughs> so from from my my household to yours, I, I have for your consideration a poem called Gravy. Who'd want to live in a world without gravy, which makes all things equal on the plate? which gives potatoes a smooth ride, which comforts meat, um, which comforts the meat it came from. If gravy were the world, there'd be no war, just happy islands in a savory sea. Mm-hmm. We'd all be warm enough in our blanket of brown. There'd be no need for knives. We could curl forever in the wombs of ladles, floured or cornstarched, thickened or reduced, let it line your plate like the fabric of childhood and sign its name on the Sunday roast. Let it swoon in your Yorkshires and kiss each vegetable. Good night. Well, there you have it. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Rector's Cupboard is a production of Reflector Project and is hosted and produced by Todd Weeb, Allison Williams, and Amanda Mina. Our cupboard master is Ken Bell. Rector's Cupboard is made possible by the generous support of donors. Check out rectorscupboard.ca for past episodes, events, and how you can help fund the podcast. You can also support Rector's Cupboard by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which helps other people find us. Thanks for listening. Thank you.